our sermon this morning is taken from the book of Romans. I shared with the class, the adult class this morning, that uh, we'll have a new class starting next week on the Gospel of John. Brother Doug Mead is going to be uh, teaching that, and so he will be presenting. And so I want to take this week and maybe next week to kind of finish up some things in the book of Romans that we didn't get to in class. And so this morning, I want to begin by just sharing this message with us that we all belong to the Lord. This is, uh, this is not necessarily an easy thing for us to grasp and to understand because we are independent. We fought for our independence in 1776 and we have been a free country ever since then and we have sent men and women across the globe to protect our freedom as people who live in this country. And we are independent and no one can tell you what to do and no one can make you go anywhere and no one can make you do anything because we are independent. Do I get an amen? amen? There's just one problem with that. For those of us who have come to believe that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, uh, you relinquish all rights to independence. And I don't know if you realize that or not, but you did. Because you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. And the price was Jesus. And it was His life on the cross, it was His blood that was shed that gives any of us hope for eternal life. One of the things that I truly believe we, we don't get is that our existence is truly eternal. It is eternal. Now I get that People pass away and people die. I, I understand that. That happens every day somewhere in this community. Someone passes away. That's a given. But our existence is not restricted to this physical body and this physical life. Yeah, praise God is right. Because if this is all we got, oh man. I've had a good marriage, 40 years. Okay, don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying, if this is it, oh brother. And some of you have had worse lives than I've had. And some of you better. But if this is all there is to it, I think there's a verse of Scripture somewhere that says, we are of all men most miserable. <laughs> Notice he didn't say women. <laughs> Our lives are eternal. Now, I don't exactly understand if there was an existence of us in some spiritual form before our mothers and fathers came together and had that wonderful experience where they created us and there's a baby born. I don't understand all the stuff that happened before we showed up on the world, but I get what happens from the time we showed up until, until. Because eternity doesn't end. And that's super, super hard for us to understand because we are finite beings. We live in an element of time. We do. We start at 9.30 for Bible class. Worship service begins about 10.30 if Brandon shows up on time. I'm just teasing because he was talking this morning. He was so excited about the new furniture. Did you see the new furniture in the foyer? It was great. Yeah, his selection. It looks good. It's great, great. It's perfect for us to hang out after services. And we'll end here about 11.30 or so, depending on how long the preacher goes. And it's not going to be long. But I'm just, we are so confined and restricted by time. Everything that we do, there is some time constraint on it. 
That's the world we have chosen to live in. The reality is, though, God doesn't live in that time continuum. He's way outside of it. And eternity is for all of eternity, and there's no way to really define all of eternity. We are not our own, though. We belong to Him. And if we truly belong to Him, it should change in some way how we live our lives and what becomes important to us and what things we focus on and what things we choose. As the expression goes, what battles we choose to fight. I remember when our boys were teenagers and Lynn and I were living in Atlanta, there was a period in our lives where they were frustrating us a little bit and they weren't cleaning their rooms as well as we would like them to and they weren't picking up after themselves as well as we would like them to and, and it just became an issue. And finally I made the suggestion, let's just close the bedroom door <laughs> and we don't have to see it because there are better battles to pick. And I was hoping that the relationship I would have with my kid when he was in college or a young adult and even when he gets to be an old adult and I'm really an old adult, I was hoping that relationship would last longer than the high school years when the bedroom wasn't as clean as we would have liked for it to have been. And there's a part of me that's very happy we chose to close the bedroom door because the relationships are real. We are not our own. We belong to the Lord, and it should cause us to look at life just a little bit differently. I'll share this verse of Scripture with you again. None of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. I read a statement recently in a book. A guy named Eric Tolle wrote this thing called The Power of Now. It's an interesting read. A little over my head, I'll just be honest with you. But he made a statement in there. He said, if we would ever learn to die before we die, then we'll come to understand we never really have to die. And I want to say that again because I want you to think about this with me. If we would ever learn to die before we die, then we will learn that we really never have to die. And there's great power in that if you stop and think about it for a moment. Because if you and I will come to understand and begin to see what Jesus is talking about when he says, I didn't come to be served but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. If we'll understand what Paul talks about when he says that we are not our own and we are to give ourselves to others. If we'll begin to live that way and give ourselves away and live like our lives are not our own and our lives really are for someone else, then it might actually change the perspective that we have when it comes time for us to die physically because then we can embrace that time when we walk through to the next place there's a, a a song that was written a poem that was written that was put to music and i just want to read some of the words to this poem because they're amazing long live the journey long live the children we raise Long live the memories like leaves the years carried away. And just like a tree that slowly grows, the higher we reach, the deeper we go. We're living for something that'll be here when we're old. And we're headed for someplace a little further down the road. Redwoods and daisies never look worried to me. They take what's been given as if that's all they'll ever need. And if that's all they'll ever need, maybe, 
That's all we really need. We're living for something that'll be here when we're old. And we're headed for something down the road. Some people's reason for living is to get all they can and move on, but I find more grace in what's given because it leads me to where I belong. The elderly are people who hold law and grace in their hands, where death is a doorway and fallings, just learning how to stand. And less is more than we really need. And empty empties the space for us to receive. We're living for something that'll be here when we're old. And we're headed for someplace a little further down the road. Beautiful poem. Beautiful poem. Because it truly does give us a reflection of what life can be about and understanding that there's way more to it than sometimes what we've been led to believe. You and I are not our own. And if we could just learn to live as if we live for the Lord, and if we could learn to die as if we were dying for the Lord, and if we could ever realize that whether we live or die, we do it for the Lord, it would really, truly change how we live. We're not our own. In Romans 14, Paul talks about several things and addresses these with the church. He says, except the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. And he goes on to talk about some disputable things like, should you eat meat or should you eat vegetables? Now there's this great vegan popularity in our country today. Everybody wants to be vegan. I'm not sure what that means, but a lot of people like that. Some people, you know, I heard the other day that we want to get rid of cows because of CO2 gases or whatever it is that they emit. And then somebody had the wisdom to say, well, how many buffalo were around before we killed them all? And there were probably more buffalo than there are cows. I don't know. But Paul says we should accept one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? And don't forget, we are all the servant of whom? Christ. We're all the servant of Christ. I am not your master, nor are you mine. Love you, respect you, honor you as best as we can. But look, we are Christ's servants. We are His first. He talks about none of us living for ourselves alone, and so therefore let us stop passing judgment on one another. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. So let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. It's an interesting concept. Peace. Mutual edification. Sometimes we like to think that we have the answers. Sometimes we have these positions that we hold. We have these understandings and perceptions and, and, and beliefs that have become sacred to us because it's kind of what we've always done. You guys have heard the story, I'm sure, about the young lady who cut the end off of her pot roast before she cooked it. You know that story, yes? And the only reason that she did it was because her mother did it. And the only reason her mother did it is because her, her, her grandmother did it. And the only reason her grandmother did it was because the pot that she had was too small to cook the roast. <laughs> but it became a handed down tradition that before you cook the roast, you cut the end of it off. 
It's kind of like if we had a communion table, and we have one, it's back in the back, we don't have it in the front. But I remember hearing a story one time about a church who had a communion table at the front, and there was a cloth over the communion table, and every Sunday before the men would serve the communion to the church, they would very carefully take the cloth off the table, and they would fold it almost like you're folding a flag at the funeral at the graveside for a veteran, and they would fold it very neatly and put it aside. And then all of a sudden, somebody had the bright idea to put air conditioning in the building. And they didn't need the cloth anymore. Because the only reason for the cloth was to keep flies out of the communion. <laughs> True story. And when the cloth disappeared, some of the people in the church thought it was horrific. How can you have communion without the cloth of Christ? Well, there is no cloth of Christ. It's not in the book. But it was a big deal for that church. Some of you remember Dr. Ian Fair. Dr. Fair used to teach at Abilene Christian. He's since retired, but his, his, famous, uh, his famous book was about Revelation. That's where, that's, that was his love. He loved to teach about Revelation. I had the privilege of studying under him at one time in my life. Well, Dr. Fair was in England one time, and he was visiting with the church in England, and they, were, they seemed to be very, very concerned about making sure that they did absolutely everything exactly the way the book said to do it. And I'm talking about the book being the Bible. And they were doing some things in the worship that he found a little bit interesting and peculiar. And, and, and eventually it came time for the communion and he leaned over to one of the brothers. He said, I suppose we're going to go into the upper room to share the communion. And the brother looked at him and he said, yes, as a matter of fact, we will. And then there's that verse of scripture that says, drink ye all of it. That's the King James rendering of taking the cup. Drink ye all of it. I had a very good friend of mine when I was in high school. He was a member of the Church of Christ. And he literally thought that that meant you have to drink all of what's in the cup. Drink ye all of it. Like, drink your milk. <laughs> all of it. We have these things that happen in our experience and faith that become so embedded in our psyche and the way that we do things that we lose perspective on what and how God really wants us to live. So, there are a couple of things that Paul addresses specifically in this chapter. One of those is literally eating meat and vegetables. And I'll just confess, I had what was supposed to have been prime rib last night for dinner. It was supposed to be. It wasn't exactly because it was like this prime rib roast that they cooked and they cut it like prime rib, but it wasn't really prime rib, but it looked like prime rib. So I think it was prime rib. It was very gristly though, so it couldn't have been. And I had vegetables with it. It was amazing. But do you know back in the days that Paul was around when he was teaching in the early days, there were people in the church who actually thought that it was wrong to eat certain kinds of meat, especially meat that had been prayed over for, by, by one of the priests in one of the, the idol, idol temples. Okay, Now, I don't know if you realize this or not, but you can actually buy meat in grocery stores in our community that has been prayed over by a special priest of another faith. Did you know that? There's a couple of markets. Matter of fact, there's one that Lynn and I used to buy in all the time when we lived in Lake Forest. There's a little market down the road. And we would go in there and they had, two, they had two containers for meat. They had this one over here that was something. I forget the name. I want to say halal, but I don't know if that's, is that the right word? Thank you. Thank you. So it was halal. And then there was this other meat. I'll tell you what you couldn't buy in there. You couldn't buy any pork. 
because they didn't sell pork in that, rest, in that grocery store at all. They just didn't sell it. But you could buy chicken, all kinds of beef and stuff. And, and that was a big deal in the early church. It was a huge deal. Because truly, it was, it was a problem for some of the brothers who came out of that kind of worshiping all kinds of things and having special prayer set over meat. It became a problem for them because they're like, well, I'm a follower of Christ and here you are eating anything and everything. And what's up with that? You're, you're messing with my head. And Paul says, look, if you've got a problem with that, uh, don't eat the meat. And oh, by the way, if you know that you're going to lunch with somebody, or worse yet, if you know that you're inviting somebody to your house and you tell them, oh, by the way, I bought this meat down at the meat market and this is a lot of stuff, and that offends them, don't serve them that stuff. Be respectful. Because it's not about you. It's about loving others in peace. It's about sharing with other people the peace of Christ. And then there are those sacred days. You know, we have some of those. You know that, right? Like Halloween. You probably didn't think I was going to mention that one, did you? No, you're thinking like Christmas, because that's one of those pagan holidays that got sucked into the world of Christianity somewhere back a few hundred years ago, right? No, I'm talking about Halloween. That's a sacred day in our country. Did you know that? Look around. It used to be that kids used to trick-or-treat, remember? Like 1962, it was only children on the street. I know, because I was one of them. And we would go from house to house, and we didn't have bags. We used sheets, man, because we could get more candy in a, in, a, in a pillowcase than we could in a bag. So we carried pillowcases because we wanted to rack up, okay? And we'd come home, we'd spread that stuff out everywhere on the floor, and it was great. And we, it was a phenomenal day. And then, and then, somebody in New York City or wherever they lived, they decided to turn this into one of those pagan, horrible, no-good-for-nothing adult holidays. And it became a place where darkness reigned and people dressed up in scary costumes and, and they promoted evil. And I mean truly evil stuff. And some of you are thinking, Ed, you're crazy. And you know what? I am crazy. I don't mind being crazy. Because there really are some people that do that with that holiday. And you know what? There's some people that still take their kids and they have pillowcases and they get all the candy they can and it's just a fun time for kids to have fun. And either way, you and I have to be careful how we... And, and then, and then if we wanted to, we could talk about Easter. I mean, I ain't found yet any rolling eggs in the New Testament. There are no colored eggs in the New Testament. They sure weren't filled with candy, I'll tell you that. But we had Easter egg hunt here last Sunday, right? Had a bunch of kids out there hunting Easter eggs. There may still be a few over there, kids, if you want to go over afterwards. And, and then if you really wanted to get serious, let's talk about Christmas. I mean, let's just take a minute. Lynn and I were visiting a church a few years ago, Hinesville, Georgia, her home church. Sunday before Christmas, the preacher's talking, and he went off on Christmas trees. And I'm just, I just can't sit there and let him keep doing that. And so I just interrupted his sermon. And I said, Randy. And he looked at me kind of weird because nobody ever does that at that church. I said, Randy, do you have a Christmas tree in your house? And he said, yes. I said, then why are you telling me I can't have one in this church? And that's all I said. We didn't have an argument or discussion. But I wasn't going to let him get away with something like that. You know what? We don't have a Christmas tree up here on this podium in a stage area when we do Christmas holidays. There's one in the other room. 
But if we had one up here, I'm sure there are at least a couple of people in this church that would not like it. Let's just be honest. We wouldn't like it because it's not our tradition. It's not what we're comfortable with. It's just not where we're at. And you know what? It's okay. You know what else we don't have in this church? Some of you who are guests today, I don't know if you've been to Churches of Christ or not before, but guess what we didn't have today? We don't have any piano. Did you notice we don't have a piano up here? We don't have a guitar. We have nothing like that. Because we chose a long time ago, a long time ago, even long before this church started, we chose to be an a cappella group of people because in the New Testament, guess what they did? They sang. Now, I don't know if they had instruments in the early church or not. I wasn't there. I wasn't there. And some people make great arguments for having it. Some people make great arguments for not having it. Guess what we chose to do a long time ago? We're just going to sing. Praise God is right. All I want you to realize is that all of those decisions are made and how we respect and love one another. Now, I could stand up here and go off on this or that, and you could come see me later and go off on this or that. And the reality is, though, Paul is trying to help us understand that we have to be careful not to judge one another or look at another person with contempt. And judging is when you tell me I can't do something, and contempt is when I look at you and say, oh, pitiful you, you just don't understand why I'm doing it. And don't tell me you haven't thought like that about something. Because we're all human. We all are guilty of that at some time. I remember when Lynn and I were in college, my Greek professor, Jack McKinney, we house sat for them one summer when they were going to Europe to do missions and summer campaigns at the college, with the college. And I remember having a conversation with Jack McKinney at his house when he got home that summer. And he said, you know, Ed, he said, we're on a slippery slope. He borrowed an expression from Lagarde Smith. Some of you guys know Lagarde. Back in, the, back in those days, Lagarde was using this expression, we're on a slippery slope. And Lagarde was right in a way because the reality is, the reality is in almost any church that you study the history of, the history of virtually any church, churches become more liberal. Now, I just probably freaked some of you out because you're thinking, oh my goodness, Ed, what are we going to do here? Nothing. Take a chill pill. We're not changing anything. That's not what the sermon's about. But I remember the conversation with Jack McKinney. He said, Ed, we're, in, we're going down a slippery slope. You know what the conversation was then? The conversation back then in the 80s was all about divorce and remarriage. Some of you remember those. Some of you are old enough to remember that guy, Pat Boone. You remember Pat Boone in Nashville, Tennessee? He started doing that thing called speaking in tongues. That freaked out some people. Messed up a bunch of churches. Guys, I just want you to realize that things change over time. And you and I have to be careful not to change the Word of God that violates the will of God. We talked about that just a moment in our class this morning. We have to be careful not to change those kind of things. But let me tell you something. There's a lot of stuff that we claim to be sacred and holy. It's no more sacred and holy than the shoes on your feet. But it's our habit. It's our tradition. It's our practice. It's what we've always done. And we're very comfortable with that. And that's okay if you want to be comfortable. Just don't try to be comfortable and reach a whole other generation of people sometimes because your comfort is not anything that they have any desire to have. And that, that's a hard conversation. That's a tough one. 
Because I've got to be honest with you. I liked all those songs Brandon led this morning. He bore it all that I might live. You had it pitched a little low. I couldn't hardly get down there. But my voice is changing again. But I'm telling you, man, if we, if we really, really were serious about attracting people in this community who have never been in a church of Christ before in their lives and we want to really reach them with music, <clears throat> he bore it all that I might live is probably not a song they're going to relate to very well. It just isn't. I love the song. And then there's that other song like Amazing Grace. How old is that? And I love that song. And we could probably get away with that one because it's one of the most standard traditional songs in the world. But there's some other stuff. You just have to be sensitive. You have to be aware of things that are going on around you. And then when you realize that something just might be better off, you can't sit in judgment. And you can't have contempt for somebody just because they don't see it the way you see it. Paul is trying to help us understand the importance of living in peace and the love of Christ. He says here, don't do anything that would cause your brother to stumble or fall. And I know some people are thinking, yeah, that's where I got you, Ed. Because if I don't like it, you can't do it. Because you'll make me stumble. Seriously? Uh, you're still here. You're still here. And you've been here a long time. It's not about you not liking what I say because you may disagree with something that I say. That's not what that stumbling and falling thing is all about at all. What it's really about is I so offend you. I so offend you that you deny that Jesus is the Christ. And I have never had that happen. I've never had that happen. And I suspect very few of you have either. So you see, when you really get down to it, what Paul is trying to get us to understand is that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because Anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and even receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. I can tell you right now, we have differing opinions in the eldership about things. But when we leave that meeting, we speak with one voice. And there are differing opinions about things in this church. There are. But when it comes to how we reach into this community and, and love on people and bring them in, it's all with one voice. And it's about truly loving people and providing a spirit where mutual edification can happen. That's what this church is supposed to be about. So when you and I go into the community, the message that we share is, come and join a people. We think a lot alike, but differences are embraced too because we don't always see everything exactly the same. And we love you. We still love you. Isn't that cool? That's just cool.
Now, I've been in churches where you couldn't do that very well. I suspect some of you have too. But I want to invite you to be a part of this church in such a way that you truly live as if you belong to the Lord and not to someone else, uh, not even to yourself. Because it's not about me, it's not about you. It's about us living in such a way that we bring honor and glory to Him in all things, living in peace, mutually edifying one another, so that when we walk out that door, or both of those double doors in a few minutes and leave this building, you and I have a message to take about who Jesus is and about what He can really do in our lives. And that is truly what church is supposed to be about. So Brandon is going to come and lead us in this song, As a Deer Thirst for the Water. And as we sing this song, I invite you to consider your walk with Christ. Consider who you are in Him. And if for some reason you found yourself not really encouraging and loving and edifying one another, then ask God to forgive you. If we need to pray with you or you'd like for one of the elders to pray with you privately, that can be accommodated. If you want to come here and tell the whole church what's going on in your world, we'll listen. We will. And we'll love you when it's over. No judgment. No contentment. But we'll love you in the love of Jesus. Let's stand and encourage one another. And God.